Welcome to the podcast, Josh. Good to be here. Josh has never done a podcast, and this is only really my third, so it's not like I'm the seasoned veteran in podcasting, uh, but I've done it a couple of times, and so here we are. Welcome to the team, and welcome to the show, Josh. I uh, I appreciate being here. Uh, I'm really excited. Thanks for coming. So, uh, you and I met at Sarah Jiu-Jitsu, so, um, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, I started doing Jiu-Jitsu... Um, like about March of last year and probably like the second or third day we met there, um, you ruptured one of my discs in my neck. (laughs) Still sorry about that. Yeah. Well, you know, shit happens. Um, and then, uh, we were friends ever since. So, uh, we met at jujitsu and, uh, we started talking personal trainer you had your cscs we'll get into this i don't want to give away your whole story but uh so we started talking about personal training and all that kind of stuff uh training wrestling jujitsu like how we how you got to there and uh after talking to you for a while i realized like okay this guy's smart as hell he's looking to like act like coach people he wants to train people he wants to do this full time and so we started talking about you coming here and, you know, well, now here you are. So thanks for coming. I guess for me, it's um, it's been a little bit of a longer journey here than I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to be over here a lot faster than than I ended up. But now I'm here and super stoked to be here. Um, I see a lot of a lot of learning that I've done already. Ton more than anywhere else I've ever been. Big box gyms and and stuff like that kind of thrown to the sharks and programming is a, a little bit lax out there so it's good to be in a place that's actually really thinking about people's health yeah so you got started in training and athletics from being an athlete basically your whole life right basically so your your background so let's just kind of go through it you started when um what either athletics or actual strength and conditioning overall uh, this is the spiel I give everyone. It takes probably about 30 seconds. Second grade, <laughs> karate, we formed a fight team and did a little bit of a, a mixed martial art kind of thing. Stopped karate in sixth grade, seventh grade, because doing that alongside of wrestling was tough. From wrestling, went into track, field, cross country. Some of the good cardio stuff. Was captain of all three teams club stuff in college so nothing that's gonna take away from academic time and through college bio I found my way into strength and conditioning um, specialization because uh, I was honestly going to become a veterinarian and I think that my desire to be a veterinarian was more of a desire to be like my my father and I kind of came to that realization when I realized I've been doing this for 10 years and I'm growing to not like this job and it's not anything about you were the, working in your dad's your dad's a veterinarian you know he's owns his own practice so you were working for him and I was enjoying yeah. the environment of people more than I was the actual physical daily job mm-hmm. um, so I figured I shouldn't be in a job just for the people around me mm-hmm. yes that's that's what you want to be there for But if I was only in a job for the people around me, I would be at one of the previous gyms. Mm -hmm. I really want to be doing something that I believe in. And and that would be that would be getting into this field and 
working my own way in life, kind of not just following in footsteps, being the same type of man as right. someone I, I really appreciate. Right, value-wise. But, but, but not the actual, uh, I don't need to be a carbon copy. Right. Yeah, so you want to exercise the values that your father instilled in you without having to do the career that he chose. And obviously, I think that that's probably how... that's a very healthy way to look at things and understand that like your values are driven, like it's a value driven decision that like, uh, this is something that you want to do something that you feel like you're going to connect with people more, connect with the work more. Oh yeah. And, um, you know, similarly, that's basically how I got into this was like realizing like I was driving a truck working for Pepsi and like, I could have probably made some kind of offer to buy my uncle's route or I could open a gym and, you know, decided to open the gym. And then obviously, here we are. So you mentioned your uh, you went to school for bio biology. So you have a bachelor's degree in biology. And what made you decide? I guess initially the decision to go to biology was considering going to to veterinarian school. Definitely was a consideration for veterinarian school. I would have definitely considered doctor of osteopathy or other stuff in that realm, but I was watching the health of my friends going into the medical field because I was considering going into the human health rather than veterinary health much earlier than I considered going into the strength and conditioning Mm -hmm. route. But I saw a combination of things. The way that we treat people after they're already sick combined with the doctors who are actually treating people not being close to healthy at all Mm. i I figured that there was definitely a problem with the current system and and approaching it from the preventative standard is a significantly higher more ethical way of doing things and and it's something that's clear like sorely missed out on in our population in the amount of the amount of um struggle that we have with that is definitely because it's something that's been uh, lapsed in the system. I think that that's exactly the the place that we're trying to come from is that like, be that, that bridge uh, from like sickness to wellness where, um, we're looking to be the, 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 the healthcare provider that fills the gap between like an injury and activity. And whether that be obesity, uh, and needing to lose significant weight for heart and, you know, every for your body's health um, or having just gotten injured and needing to get back to doing something. Um, what does the process look like? And as we grow as a business and as we've kind of grown in our messaging, our goal is to get people either back to health or to health in the first place. And that's obviously like a big undertaking. And most people are going to go to, you know, the first of, January, right? It's it's like everyone New Year's resolutions, like, and I've seen them work, so I don't knock them. But the people who are showing up for a New Year's resolution at Twenty Four Hour Fitness or at LA Fitness, they're paying their membership, they're walking in the door, and they're looking around the place, going like, "Okay, now what?" And what we do is we're the we're the now what we're the we're the ones who take people from uh, I don't know what I'm doing to being highly educated in their their own fitness we we try to teach nutrition uh at least some base level nutrition to everyone that we talk to we try and then obviously teach them how to move teach them how to train 
and then try to instill the stuff that needs to happen outside of the gym as far as recovery and sleep and you know breathing practices and meditation so what do you find to be if you had to pick one thing that could be what do you find is the highest priority for a beginner learning and this was one of the big issues I'm going to bring it back around to you said your goal was was educating people when they come in because that is a big struggle. My approach when I began circled around that. I was super big on data and super big on information and pulling up muscle diagrams with people mm-hmm. who were interested in it. My first one of my first clients was an auditor who asked a ton of questions and through her asking so many questions, I learned a couple things. And and also it made me go to every single client when I first meet them, ask me questions. If I don't know it, I will tell you. And then I'll go research it. I'll come back with the studies. And I recommend you go research it, come back with the studies. And then we can have an honest conversation about it. And I think that that approach lost me some clients and gained me long-term clients at each gym that I had that I was actually able to make a difference with. So it's about getting the quality client that's looking for what they want now and like that they that they know is actually going to work because you know, I'd rather have a client that learns and is able to help themselves the times that I'm not there for them and then they come back for those kind of little cues and stuff someone to um, encourage them, see the little things that they haven't seen when they're when they're on their own, but still be able to kind of troubleshoot in the moment. Um, and I've I've come over here and I've seen that's a big part of your approach, and um, definitely the structure of of how we're going to be moving forward with the classes uh, lends itself towards that. So I think that that's very interesting and and something I'm looking forward to being part of. Yeah. So as Coalesce grows, I'm looking more at. What is it re- like? What is all the information necessary? As we, so, as we start to move more towards the individual design stuff and really getting into more personal training and and being like, okay, like what's really missing from any single person? What as an individual that's stopping them from their goal? Whether the goal is um, weight loss or getting back to playing basketball or training in martial arts or whatever. The thing is, or just knowing that like when September or uh, like November, December rolls around and there's a huge snowstorm, that shoveling themselves out of their house isn't going to leave them laid up in bed for a week. Like that's the kind of impact that we want to have. Like I want to change the way that people feel about their bodies and and the way that they feel in, in space. Like, you know, like understanding how to move and understanding how to lift things and move them and turn with them because one of the things that was always an issue um, in the past, especially with with most boot camp, CrossFit, high-intensity uh, group classes, it's too much training in the sagittal plane, meaning everything is like up and down, right, forward and back in this one plane. And life happens in the frontal plane and the transverse plane, obviously walking and, and st- we do a lot of stuff in the sagittal plane, which then which for anyone who's listening and doesn't know what we're talking about, we're talking about forward and backward, basically up and down um, and not side to side or across your body. So most things happen in the real world across your body with some rotation. um, And then 
we don't in the real world you're not going side to side very much but part of what seems to happen in most people's training when we're doing too much sagittal plane and this happens in a lot of group classes uh you you end up getting overtraining your overtraining movement patterns and you're undertraining those other uh planes of motion which are like stabilization muscles it's all the supporting muscles of like all the prime movers and stuff um and it's what we do in sport it's throwing it's pit you know pitching it's uh suplexing it's raking it's shoveling um and trying to teach people how to move in the real world and and one of the things that crossfit always talked about a lot was that functional movements are the things that make you better in your day-to-day life and that's why you should be able to deadlift but in the real world you're not grabbing a barbell like there's no perfect setup to get a bag of dog food off the floor and being able to get down to it and into a low position or being able to bend at the hip and be able to take a knee and pick that up is very different than a deadlift on a barbell or even a kettlebell so when we're starting to talk more about this like side to side cross the body rotational anti-rotational stuff that stuff's different for every person so we you were just talking about problem solving on the go so we're looking at like okay like what are the things that are preventing a person from doing a pull-up from doing a push-up from doing whatever from playing basketball from getting out um and going for a hike um what do you think is so yeah i actually we didn't even touch upon this so your uh certification is a cscs which is a certified strength and conditioning coach right specialist yeah specialist um so certified strength and conditioning specialist so which is required to have a bachelor's degree to get that and it's a pretty tough course that you got to pass and pretty tough test so could you tell us a little bit about your background in the CSCS and why you decided to do that? So that one very specifically deals with sport performance. So one of the assumptions going into any of the training based from the textbook would be that we're, we're getting a fully healthy athlete. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing that I've had to learn on the fly on my own time and I've bought I don't know the number, but multiple, um, probably five or six extra reading textbooks. And one of them actually I'm getting into now has um, continuing education, you know, exam that I can take at the end. So I'm, I'm a little bit excited about that one. But um, th- to get this sort of re- recovery and, and um, general population work done, because although I love dealing with athletes, I've realized that the people who really need it aren't athletes. So I've taken the, I have good workouts for athletes and tried to treat general population as athletes while also still addressing their issues. Right. So rather than saying I'm training this pitcher to throw a ball, this lady has a, you know, knee surgery coming up. I'm training her to have all the muscle that she can get before the knee surgery so that her performance, her pitching, is getting up the stairs 
within one week of being out of that surgery, ideally the specific person I'm thinking of, um, needed help getting up the stairs in general, being the conditioning she was in. So we got her up to that point, and then very quickly again, she was able to to come back after that. Um, and you know now she's doing her own training. She actually had become a regular at one of my previous uh, big box gym types um, of places. So it, it was quite interesting to see how sh- how happy she became after seeing the performance benefit. So I feel like treating people like athletes, we don't just do daily life. It's called performing your tasks. You know, you got to go out and perform. We're all athletes. It just depends upon the spectrum that you're at. So we'll have the capacity for it, right? Exactly. Like, well, for normally, like for people who are have the abilities to stand and whatever, like you, you, you can train a person, you can do things to improve a person's athletic ability. And the, the way that you progress exercises for an athlete is the same way that you're progressing exercise for corrective action. You're just doing it for the more specific joint as a spe- as opposed to like a broader, more explosive long-term strength program. It's still the same type of progressions that go, you're just meeting the person where they're at and saying, okay, here's your next step. Yep. Here's your next step. Here's your next step. That was, exa- that was exactly the approach I, I started taking. And then I did have a couple athletes, which was very nice for me because I was dealing primarily with coordination of, you know, jump quality for basketball or, you know, pitching rehab and, and, and performance. Um, that was wonderful and great to deal with healthy, um, young men who were, who were going into sports and, you know, hopefully young women as well. But that was specifically my experience with a couple of younger guys, but definitely have had a lot of good experiences with, with everybody. And that was where I, I felt it, the, the people who need it are, the daily life i need to be able to sit up straight in my chair Mm, yeah i need to feel my back feel a little bit better be able to like stand up out of the chair and their back not be killing them for the rest of the day exactly you know because even i'm pretty mobile but sitting down for 30 minutes an hour and then standing up doesn't usually feel good you know i'll shake out my hips a little bit i'm good to go but for for someone who isn't very mobile and does lack a lot of strength in their hips and their legs that put on that those long sitting you know car rides and being at the office and being at a desk incapacitated it's de- detrimental to their to their movement to their health and i always look at um you know my grandmother was uh basically bedridden for the last 15 years of her life you know and part of it was um autoimmune disease part of it was there was a lot that happened but I don't know if any of that was avoidable, but my goal in my life and for my clients is to keep them independent for as long as possible. And that means you need to be able to get up and down from your bed, from a toilet, up and down stairs. Um, and and quality of life. Like for people who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, they still are traveling. They're in their 50s. They're, tra- they're, they're playing with their grandkids. They, ha- they have their own kids still. They're like, they're doing things. And... My dad can still kick my butt at jujitsu. Yeah, he's crazy. Yeah, he's very good. He can do he can do <laughs> 10, 10 second pull-ups. Yeah, he's very strong. He's he's nuts. He's got the same nuts. build as you and Well, uh, he's kind of he's kind of just he's just got this this 
just neck that's fused of muscle. It's just, you know, but that's a lifetime of, of sport and fitness and competing. Like, so my experience isn't in lifelong athletics. My experience is I was overweight and like needed to get fit. Like I wanted to get healthy. Like I wanted abs in the worst way. And that was all I cared about for a long time. And then like, I probably could have done it better, but I I did it with a lot of low carb stuff and a lot of like intermittent fasting and keto for a long time. And I maintained it for a, a while. My body fat was very low, but, um, I felt like garbage and it was stuff like that, that like gave me, I was experimenting on myself, you know, with nutrition and seeing what works and over time, we kind of developed a progression that we work with with beginners. It's a little bit of like a paleo or like a whole a whole food like a whole thirty uh, nutrition approach. Um, going into things like the zone diet and Renaissance periodization as people get a little bit more uh, advanced. So for you, you've never really had to think about nutrition. Like you kind of have like some really good habits. That was that was something I was incredibly lucky. Um, my, my mother was able to, who's also a black belt in Kempo <laughs> in Kempo. Yeah. I, it, we've been martial arts and combat sport for a very long time. Be a in bad house for a home invasion. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, the, one of the big things is, and pulling a little bit off sides. Yes. Food. Great. Mother taught us healthy eating habits and I'm trying to help as many people especially, you know, my wife and children to do that. Mm. But the reason that we got so much into combat sports... You don't have a child yet, though. You're right. Okay. But your plan is for your children. Well, well, the goal is to have children. Okay. You're right. (laughs) But um, but that's that's the goal. I've I've wanted to have a a child since I was a child. That was just how I was raised, family and, and all of that first. That's why I wanted to come to a place where I felt like there was, there was, you know, a future. Um, because... Just the the um, the model, I think, is something that's going to really take off with with actual results. People people talk about it and and see that and see uh, someone. There was you know a guy just downstairs um, earlier uh, who was really getting his first few kipping pull ups in, and everyone was kind of you know coming around clapping for him and being really happy. And that 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 was very quick. Um, I remember you know, him just coming in. I remember the first day that he walked up those stairs with you as I was teaching a class and I'm still fairly new here. Mm -hmm. And, and he's already doing his first kipping pull-ups, which is something that I really just learned a couple months ago as well from you guys. And now I'm, I'm, you know, cycling my kipping pull-ups and, and doing that fairly well, you know, comfortably. Um, kind of to move back to, uh, to, uh, to martial arts, my, my parents had a couple times that were quite scary of, uh, of, you know, when, when we were younger, someone in the apartment, you know, while they like woke up, Mm -hmm. like dude right there. So that, that kind of really instilled a sense of, well, you know, reality is important. So anybody who is listening to this, you know, it's not something you want to think about, but if you're looking for health and you aren't into that sort of lifting and, and I get it, 
you should do it. You should do your regular cardio. You really should be lifting. But if you have to get into something and you absolutely refuse to do it, which as, as we would always recommend, is so much better to be able to get that you know recovery exercise in, the rotator cuff stuff, and you're less likely to get injured doing those other things. You're Anything. more likely to be able to perform those. But get into a martial art or a combat sport. At least that will begin your fitness journey. And then as you want to get better, find a good trainer especially us, hopefully, if you're in the area. Um, but um, definitely definitely learn how to um, you know how to handle yourself because that's going to help you a lot with your fitness as well. Confidence, everything. Um, oh, yeah. I, I kind of, I didn't start any sort of martial arts till I was a year ago. And uh, I was in Shorinru karate when I was like eight. And uh, I hated it because we would do these blocking drills and like the older guy, he seemed very much older, but he might've only been like 20. But like, I thought in my head, this dude was like, had like a beard and shit. And, um, he was a man. <laughs> yeah. He was definitely more of a man than I was. And like, we would do this like blocking thing. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like down, up, down kind of thing. Like inside, outside, outside. Um, and he would just hit so hard. I was like, dude. And then I just didn't want to do it after that. Yeah. You know, I did it for like, I don't know, probably six months or a year or something. And then wrestled for like two years, sort of. And so you're saying you school. haven't done it yet. You have like three to four years of experience. That's solid. That's solid. That definitely gives you the confidence that, that no, you know you can no, walk around. No. I was like eight, and no, you know what? I the first thing I learned when I when I started jujitsu was that like, I good thing I kept my mouth shut because I like you realize like a you don't know what you're looking at. Yeah. You don't know who knows. You don't know what they know, and. And obviously weapons change everything, but probably better to know something than to know nothing if things go down. Anyway, that's not something that ever you want to happen. I think I'm more thinking just about the health benefit of it, too. Well, you know, there's, there's, there's any this. number of things that can that'll work for health. And, you know, I think that our approach is looking at the individual one on one and and progressing them from yeah. there. And then that can the goal for for me as a coach is to allow to impact a person's life so much that they're able to do whatever they want to do All of that. you know whatever it is like whether it's hiking it's martial arts mm-hmm. it's performance like you know dina is spent you know she's on stage and she's like performing like we have like that's something i'm really um i guess passionate about is like i've had a lot of time of being on st- well yeah i mean i've been on stage a little bit um, but I've always wanted to be on stage more. So no, and knowing what kind of cardio it takes to be like singing or yelling on stage or for performing in any capacity, whether like, you know, we do, I've done improv classes. Dave Kaufman does a lot of improv and just, it, it's a lot of energy. You need to be able to move around. You got to be mobile. There's physicality to it. Well, and even the adrenaline dump that you learn to manage through exercise is very similar to being up on stage. I was in a, um, in a band for many years recently kind of separated because I got a wife and I'm looking to have a family and looking to get a house and that sort of stuff doesn't allow you to travel into the city every and it, weekend. It's a, it's a lot less punk rock, you know, of an image. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not able to travel into the city every weekend and do those things, but, but definitely I understand that the adrenaline dump can easily be handled when you're doing something like this. So, so anything you like to do, whether you're a musician or like you said, improv all of those things, your whole life is benefited by coming in, 
you know, going downstairs, I know you, you guys can't see that we're, you know, upstairs right now, but going downstairs and doing that sort of training where you're kind of prepping yourself, you know, for everything, you know, you don't think about how a kipping pull-up or an Olympic lift could affect your improv routine or yourself sitting at the desk, but it does and significantly increase the quality of those two things and a lot of other myriad of benefits. I would just put those two things a lot lower than I would put cardio and like Turkish get-ups. Yes. No, you, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm say, I said two examples right. of, of like, exercises off the top of my right. head. There's definitely, there's definitely a lot of other ones that are specifically better, especially core, core exercise, cardio, yeah. um, the things that are going to strengthen your heart, um, your lungs, very specifically with the note, the nasal breathing thing. I know we're a little bit windy here, but we I got I really, a lot. There's really a lot like, of stuff yeah. too. There's a, that, you know, that, and I think that that's the thing that, um, what we're trying to do as coaches is to like take out the guesswork of mm-hmm. what actually does is going to work for that individual. Yeah. Because the way that I would suggest nutrition to a beginner versus a more advanced person is going to be different than even the type of exercises that are being prescribed. So especially working one-on-one with people, uh, you're going to have a lot more significant impact on that individual working one-on-one and prescribing specific exercises instead of just a generally good workout. So, um, very much so. There's a lot to it. There's a lot to like oh, yeah. the nutrition, the exercise selection, the you know what's going to work, what's not going to work. What does does a person need more? And that we determine all that stuff through testing and progressions, figuring out where a person is strength wise, where they're at flexibility wise, and taking that stuff and using it as the basis and the foundation. Like people will say, "Oh, you got to train your weaknesses." But like, what is your weakness? How do you determine your weakness? Right. It, it, what is what is the what is the measuring factor of how you're getting better through that weakness? Mm. And most people don't even know what those things are. And a lot of coaches are kind of good at seeing that subjectively. And I used a, a couple little things, um, you know, here and there, which were uh, I, I had kind of initiated using the 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 three basic fms um you know and that's okay functional movement screening <laughs> and that's yeah and that's that's okay but we're kind of going into some more in-depth stuff mm. here which i i really appreciate and i actually had used um you know the hip um the hip uh test on my sister-in-law and determined exactly we had her do a squat and some stretching and within the same night five minutes later her hips went from being angled like this Mm -hmm. to changing the width of her squat stretching out one of her glutes and we took like probably a solid inch and a half of asymmetry off now you're not going to heal it she's going to wake up the next morning and it's going to be back to where it was because you don't get to a you know hip asymmetry like that you know in one day right. and you don't get out of it in one day but there was definitely right. a significant difference and something that I I very clearly saw an immediate difference and right. over a long run there was a, another client I used the same kind of testing for and that was something that had slowly you know worked in in conjunction with her chiropractor and uh, I saw that difference over time as well so I'm really excited to go forward using the the whole range 
of, of tests that we're going to be using. Yeah. So what Josh is referring to is our the active life functional movement screening, uh, the active life movement screening, and the active life strength balance testing. And the stuff that we learned from doing that stuff tells us exactly what kind of ranges of motion are in the ankle, the knee, the hip, the shoulders, the wrists. Uh, and when those things are limited, if there's any limitations in there, if there's any pain in there, it tells us what ranges of motion and what movements, what movement types could be, I, I guess, contraindicated, I guess, would, would net bad for you. I don't know. Like, so the kind of movements that may need to be modified for some time or approached, they, they need to be addressed. Like those, are, those are the weaknesses that we're talking about. Those ranges of motion, the more space you have available, the less likely you are of injury. And that can, that counts in anything, a fall or, uh, or, or exercising. If you have more range of motion, you are less likely to get injured in a fall. The reason most people, depending on how you fall, like you might just break an arm, but if you fall and your arm has range of motion to move through, there's less likely a chance that that impact is going to put your arm into a position where a break or a tendon rupture or something is likely. And also speaking about falling, I'm just going to take a quick aside. Uh, look up a back slap out. Um, I don't know the name in in jujitsu for it, but that has um, that has helped a, a couple of people I know fall safely, especially right. older. It's a it's a it's a very very good move on how to prevent hitting your head and prevent breaking your arm because turning and trying to block yourself with your arm when typically you have uh, more brittle bones at the mm. age people will be having a fall like that is is big and practicing that when you're young as well. Um, will will significantly help you. Anyway, uh, I'm not trying now, to. I mean, especially living in a place where it's icy, you know, right? Not right. right now, but a couple more months, it's it gets icy real quick. You know, yep. Slip and falls happen all the time, and obviously especially you leaves can't. As well. You can't. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's any any way, number of ways you could fall, but you you can't obviously of like say like, oh, well, I'm super flexible and I can't be injured. But if you are flexible, you're less, less likely, likely to have an injury from impact. Um, such as a fall, you know, obviously something like a car accident or something where, you know, you're talking about several tons more force. Even still, even still, significantly. And also, and if there big, are injuries, you're going to recover faster. You yes. Know, the, the upside of being strong and having good conditioning is, you, you know, they, uh, I think it's, oh, there's a strength coach. Uh, I forgot what his name was, but it was very famously saying that uh, strong people are harder to kill and more useful in general. So uh, I think it was Mark Ripito, but I think it was Mark Ripito who said it, but um, it's very, very, it's almost like a little bit um, like cheeky, but very true. You know, like it's, you're, they're harder to kill, like both by the universe and by another human just being fit and knowing a little bit about self-defense like we're harder to kill like for sure i am from when i started jujitsu and i'm or just being able to get away you know like that's the it, biggest part if someone Awareness if someone's coming after me i can run you yeah. know i don't need to stick around that's the that's the biggest thing my, my first um, martial arts teacher told us was you know it's the best way to, to win a fight Get away. Not get into one. Yeah, get away. Unless you have someone else to protect or you're <laughs> right. cornered. Those are the two things. Those are the two reasons. Everything else. I've, I know I've gotten out of so many situations where guys, you know, who 
who are less, you know, mentally, you know, aware of of what actually getting into a fight is, right? Um, you know, would have gotten into it. I'm just like, ah, it's not worth it. Just just walk away, run away. I know that there was there was one time I was in Chicago late at night, kind of got two guys coming up dark, empty street, mm. ran. Got into yeah. a McDonald's, ordered a uh, ordered a chicken sandwich so I could stay there, yeah. and just kind of hung out until an Uber came because I I knew that being around people tactics just stay stay away. away from danger. Yeah. In general, coming back into being flexible and and you know staying away from danger in the long run, we want to be able to not just increase the length of our life, but the quality. the quality years. That's what that's what the goal of this end of medicine is. Because we've increased how long we live over the past hundred years, but those years after, you know, 70, 75, what are those years? You said fifteen years for your grandmother, and I'm sorry that first of all that she's gone. Second of yeah. all that those years were like that. Yeah. And that Especially may have been the last couple my grandfather's anyway. going through the same thing, yeah. and he, the only reason he's still here, they, they gave him a, a two-year diagnosis uh, 10, 11 years ago. And the only reason he's here is because he's doing absolutely everything. He's got every doctor. He's got, he's got um, TENS units and vocal practice and exercise and sauna and, and massage chairs. And I go over there and I use the, the uh, gun you know, on him, the, uh, the what's Theragun. called? The Theragun. Theragun, that's it. It's not the Theragun. His, his is whatever yeah, else one. But yeah, same, same deal. Stuff. Theragun, yeah, same stuff. So you know, all of those things, I truly believe all of those things are what's extended his his condition out this far and it's definitely a significantly higher quality because this condition is unavoidable right so it's not this condition could not he's been active his whole life Mm -hmm. could not be impacted by that as a diagnosis point Mm -hmm. but the length of time and the quality of time he's had since then Mm -hmm. is incredible he got diagnosed with with this when I before I was a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. Now here he is. He went he went to my wedding. He went to my reception. Mm-hmm. He was able to, um, you know, uh, you know, talk to me through some some hard hard points, especially uh, especially in the transfer into this new um, this new career because that's scary. That's scary taking a a ten year thought process of your thinking. You're going into one career and switching mm-hmm. to another. And I actually went over and I was able to talk with him. And a lot of uh, a lot of people with this condition can't even speak. Now he's having a tough time with it. Mm-hmm. It's tough, you know. But I I can have that time, right? Which is really nice. And that's that's all coming back around to the holistic health. You know, he's always been on the preventative end of mm-hmm. it, way ahead of his time, right? You know, he 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 called this out in the seventies, doing exercises with my father and mm-hmm. and stuff. Where even if my father wasn't in athletics in high school, at home he would have been getting some of it. So that's that's really big, and in how I've seen, in two generations, I'm so lucky, and now I want to take this so much more direct to other people, not just my family, and hopefully, like I said, hopefully my future family, mm-hmm. um, you know, but definitely take that out into the world. The learning given to me from my my grandfather, and my father. You were, we were just talking right before about being able to run, you know, being mm-hmm. able to get away. And I think that that's like an undervalued aspect. We don't, people don't think about a flash flood coming or like, I mean, you know, obviously like we live on an island who knows, like if sea level rises a couple feet, like, but you know, if we, we, we should at this point expect the unexpected and 
we're not that far away from a zombie apocalypse, you know, like <laughs> it, if, if it happened, I wouldn't be like, oh, how did this happen? You know, like, okay, it, speaking it, weirdly, the government literally just had a hearing on the fact that there are UFOs that we don't understand at all what the heck is happening in the sky. And everyone just went like, huh? So like, yeah, if there was something that was a massive um, problem and we needed to protect ourselves, I want to be the person that that person could go and say, wow, I'm glad I, I'm glad I went to Josh. I'm glad I went to Jeremy. I'm glad I went to these classes or these, these, um, trainings. Um, you know, again, not even for, for combat, but holy cow, I got out of that building quick enough. Right. You know, there was, there was an earthquake, you know, and then we were all, you know, huddling together and then we realized the building was coming down. Right. A fire. I was able to help someone get out and I was able to get out myself. There was a lot of things that, there are some things, I don't want to say a lot of things. There's, there's some things that early uh, CrossFit articles got really right. And uh, Greg Glassman in one of his articles said, this is the stuff of surviving fights and fires. And Mm. meaning if your house is on fire and you've got to sprint out of it, you need to be able to sprint. You know, if you're nursing an injury and nursing a knee and waiting for uh, a surgery like that. Yes. And you're not able to pick up your kid. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Or your cat, you know, like where, where's, where's the, where's the kid? Where's the dog? Yeah. Like you got to find the cat who's scared because the house is on fire. You know, like obviously these are like worst case scenarios. But they're they're real. They happen, you know. They, they like a kid can be running towards the street, and you need to be able to go zero to a hundred, you know. And obviously, people have different levels of ability. We're looking at what, how, how close can we get you? Okay. How far away are you, and how much closer can you be? And obviously that's got to be systematic. That's got to be like taking a look at one thing after another, progressing one joint to the next joint to the next, till there's full ranges of motion till you can walk at full speed. You could jog, you could spread. I think that, um, I think that a quote where that really speaking of, you know, people that really were, were, you know, ahead of their time and thinking about this, let's go way far back. I think it was, uh, Aristotle or Socrates, Socrates said, it is a shame for a man or woman um, a shame for a man person. to yeah, it's a shame for a person to grow old without seeing the beauty and and strength of which his body is capable. Mm. And I think that that quote has really kind of um, been one of the things that really pushes pushes my my desire for other people is I've been able to see, um, you know, I'm beautiful. No, I, I've been able I've been able to see the um, the impacts of, you know, being comfortable in my skin as much as I can be. Everyone's got their, their things, yeah. but, but being as comfortable in my skin as I can be, you know, and, and feeling like, you know, I, I, I can, you know, go, you know, hang out with my friends and not be like un, uncomfortable, you know, and I've, I've seen that for, for other people. And it's not about looks. It's about being able to walk down the street with people at a pace that you're not breathing heavily. Right. You know, that can be socially um, impactful, you know, and 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 I, I really I'm, I'm getting a little teared up. I, I, I feel for people on, on that end. And I know that you've experienced maybe that end a little bit closer than I have. Maybe not maybe not to that extent, but but you can you can kind of come from that that percentage. And I we, we haven't really talked too, too far, uh, <laughs> you know, back about how how you were in your history. But you're at a point now where 
you know, my dad actually told me the other day that um, grappling, grappling with you, you know, your strength feels similar to that of mine. As a, and that kind of makes me feel like, huh, am I doing something wrong here? No, but, but the thing is, that means you're doing something right because your mobility and angular strength is similar to that of a 24-year-old, almost 25-year-old right. guy. And, and again, you know, it, it's, it's all about that ability to maintain that over time. Yeah. You know, just because, just because, you know, you're, you know, going through time doesn't mean you should lessen your abilities by significant amounts. I think that it's that narrative of, oh, it's you're just at that age. You're just at that age. You're just at that age. You just need to accept it. And I guess I, for for me, first of all, I've always been anti-authoritarian. Like, don't tell me what to do. You know, so, yeah. uh, you know, just you should just accept that you're aging. And I'm like, I'm, I'm probably not going to do that. You know, like I'm, I want to be able to like do things like jujitsu. I want to be able to like write music and like sing. And like, even if I'm just doing it in, in downstairs when no one's here, like, um, we should I, jam. Hey, what do you, what do you play? Uh, bass. You play bass. Yeah. I, I played upright well. bass, uh, in orchestra till I graduated high school. I started guitar, you know, like I never, I've never taken much lessons, so most of everything is self-taught. So Same. I lack a real lot of um, what would it be? I guess technicality. You know, my hand yeah. positioning is terrible when I play guitar, but I write good melodies, and I'm off. Uh, you know, my pitch has gotten better, especially over the last like year or so since I've been really like getting onto my vocals again. And I still like probably could afford to take some lessons uh but i'm very i go on emotion you know i think I'm that very... music music can definitely be approached like fitness um as well you know in the similar about getting the lessons and but i think that i think that it really is um is something that you can also approach on your own like you said and self-teach um you know i i think that that's um that's one of the 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 real um nice aspects of going out and getting some lessons though. I think that I should probably go do that too. Yeah. Because that'll, that'll be a little bit. It's just like everything else. Like you, you put in the, the, the more technical you are, the more that's available. Oh yeah. You know, like just like in, in jujitsu or in fitness or whatever it is, when you're technically correct, you have more options available. Yeah. So, we're going to wrap this episode up because we've been talking for a while. This is a good one. Um, do you have any final thoughts you want to talk about? Um, all right. I've got I've got one or two things. <laughs> um, get into a gym. First of all, get into the highest quality gym that you can or is in your area. If you don't have any gyms around you, go for a walk. And um, it starts it starts simple. But it's a journey you can learn about and go deeper in. And one of the guys that I was talking to recently said, the deeper you get into any field, the more the the pillars of that field matter and the more you come back to those pillars. So, you know, as we as we move along and as, you know, probably have some more podcasts or some more people on and some some different formats, you're going to see different approaches and different methods by which all of the same pillars of fitness, which is strength, cardio, and I would say, you know, mental 
as well. Um, it'll all come back around with all of your, your guests and, and all of your strategies going forward. So you're going to see a lot of those three things as we move forward. Awesome. Well, this has been a Coalesce Fitness Solutions podcast. Thank you, Josh, for coming on. Uh, we'll see you guys around. Definitely. Thank you. Bye.